We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I, th- I think a good place to start, Brian, is as we break it down offensively and defensively for things that we need to see from Notre Dame kind of moving forward and kind of, uh, well, again, we're inventing, I don't want to say inventing solutions, but we're trying to find solutions and understand what's going to take this team to the next level, what's going to get them turnaround. And I think offensively is a great place to start because offensively has been the biggest issue over the last three games. You know, you talk about, only scoring 14 against Ohio State, and then needing a late touchdown to get it to 21 and a victory over Duke, and then obviously what they did this past weekend against Louisville. Offense has been bad over the last three games. It has not been good. There were some things that you could take from the Ohio State game and still say missed opportunities, but they still had the ability to move the football. Duke was a clunker, and then Louisville was a clunker as well. They've had a couple back-to-back really bad football games offensively especially. So – Things that you need to see about this team and how to improve. It's something that we have both talked about in nauseam over the last few weeks, but there's just no, there's no pace to this football team. There's no urgency. There's no tempo. And I don't say tempo as in we need to run a hurry up offense and get up and snap within 15 seconds. Like, no, but there needs to be a little bit of when something's going good, like let's capitalize on that pace a little bit, right? Let's get, let's get up to the line. Let's move with a little bit of urgency of how we want to play this football game. I don't think there's excitement offensively right now for the players. I don't think there's any excitement. And one, that's because they're not playing very well. But two, I think when they do make plays, they're not able to really ride that momentum into the next play and the next play. There's no urgency with this football team offensively. There's no pace. I need to see that pick up, man. These guys at the end of the day, Brian, all coaches, our job is to put them in position and make them excited to be in that position and let them capitalize. I feel like there's no excitement offensively right now. There's no pace. There's no urgency to how they're playing the game. And, and what's the reason for – I've said this before, but like if the players are blaming coaches for what's going on, that's a player problem, right? You don't, you don't do that. But at the same time, the counter to that is, but if you're struggling and nothing changes other than, well, you didn't do a good job last week, so we're going to rotate you in this week with someone else like, okay, that doesn't fix anything. So just playing Tobias Merriweather less and still doing the same exact things you were doing 
fixes nothing. You haven't identified identified the root causes. So if you're a player, it's like, okay, here we go again. We're doing the same crap we've done the last three weeks. It's not working. Yep. Right? That is a natural reaction to what – I mean, that's where players are going to have that what do we do in reaction. And that's that's more understandable than after a loss looking back and saying, coaches cost us a game. Well, you missed your opportunities. You did this, you did this, you did this. At the same time, though, as a coach, you have to understand we're not a competent unit right now. What can we do to build confidence? So you go out there and practice. We talked about it the other day. You you have a Tuesday practice where you design opportunities for success for your team. You've got to have a great Tuesday practice. And I know it's 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 antithetical to what I normally do, but this team is in a place where they're in a funk where you've got to say, we're gonna we're gonna give them USC looks, but we're gonna put them in the right looks to where we can create some big play opportunities. And you can ramp it up a little later in the week, but against this defense, you're gonna kind of get that a lot on Saturday. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and then there's other things to do, and like you said, Ryan, I, I think get, getting getting and picking up the pace a little bit to me is one of those things where where you can you can look at and say this could be a spark for this team. It's something different. It gets them going. It gets USC's defense, which is struggling, on its heels. Uh, it allows you to get into rhythm because that's the biggest thing for me: the pace, the urgency, all of it comes down to this team does everything slow. And, and and they 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 slowly get into huddle. They slowly get out of the huddle. They slowly attack the line of scrimmage. They kind of come off the ball methodically. It's like there's no ur- – I keep using this word. I've never used this word more in my life than I have <laughs> the last month and a half. There's no yeah. urgency. And we were talking about this, Ryan, when they were 4-0. Right? Yeah. This is something we've been talking about for a while, and, and they still haven't fixed it. And I understand this is the offense you have and this is what you believe in and all, but Hey, that's not working guys. That's not working. And you could, you could, you could still want to, you could still, you could still want to get the run game going and run through that and still play with pace. I mean, go look at the chip Kelly, Oregon team, right? right? Like they were a running football team, but you know what they did? They play with pace. They play with a lot of pace and urgency in their game. Right. hundred percent. Pace doesn't have anything to do with means you're throwing a million times. It, it has yeah. nothing to do with that. Oregon right now, would you, I would say, plays with good pace. Would you? Would you say yeah. they're not like they're not like 2010 Oregon? No, uh, but they play with good pace. They're running for yeah. 227 yards a game right now. Now again, have they played anybody? No, not really. But they're still doing it every week. You know, they they still have that goal of going out there and running the football. And and if anything, I actually think playing with more pace helps you as an offense because it's a lot harder. Yeah. For defenses to get all these de- – Ryan, it's like a broken freaking record, man. This was stuff that we <laughs> complained about during the Brian Kelly era too and last year with Tommy Reese is when you go slow, it allows defenses to do more. It does. Yeah. If I'm the offensive coordinator and, and I'm facing you, Ryan, and yeah. I'm I'm snapping the ball less than 10 seconds every time, I'm lining up in the huddle, I'm doing this, I'm looking to the sideline, that allows you to get more exotic – more I'd say exotic – more detailed calls in. Yep. Right. It allows you to have a, and that's pregame, like, or like, like preparation wise. Hey, guys, this is how we're going to make checks and all these type of things. And then there is also um, things you can do within each play. And then yep. if I'm not really doing anything but like, okay, I have my tight end a three by one and I motion him across. Oh, that's a super easy check for you. Yep. Right. Whereas if I come out in line of scrimmage, like, hey, we get the call in, we line up quickly. I'm in 12 personnel. I line up on the first play and twins with a tight end and a wing. I get lined up quickly. 
I go here, and then all of a sudden I shift my tight ends over. They line up, and then all of a sudden Chris Tyree goes flying in motion the other way. You've had to do a lot of communication in a very short well, period of time. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Well, a defense, defensive coordinator, a defensive staff in general, it's reactive, right? right? You are reacting to what you're seeing every single play. So, oh, here, this is the, the personnel group that's coming in. We're going to run this. This is the, the set, a three-by-one, two-by-two. This is the coverage shell that we're going to be in now. This is the blitz that we want to put in. Everything is so quick and reactionary, right? It's right. hard to plan ahead defensively. It's, a very, it's, it's very dependent upon what the offense is doing. So if you are playing with it easier, Ryan, I was going to say, if you you play with a slow pace, if you get up to the line of scrimmage, you're slow up to there. And then maybe you're looking to the sideline at times you're checking it as a defensive coach. I'm like, cool, man, I got a few extra seconds to actually think here, right. To to get a little bit of a better idea of what I want to do. So I think pace, I mean, one, I think confidence on offense, I think pace could help with that. I think two, it could hurt a defensive coordinator to the point that you're making. And then three also, Brian, I am a big believer that there is momentum in a football game, especially. So when something good happens, let's pick up the pace now, right? So let's right. get up to the line of scrimmage because now we're capitalized off the of momentum. If you make a play, let's say Audrey Estime bursts up the middle and gets a 21-yard gain, right? Getting up to the line of scrimmage super slow does nothing for your offense to capitalize off of that big play that you just created. It does nothing. It does absolutely nothing. You're hurting yourself in that momentum base. You're hurting yourself. I just think that playing with pace is, and again, I'm not talking about no huddle within 10 seconds, snap the football, Chip Kelly stuff. Like I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about though, is that when you make a play, let's get up and let's hold on to that momentum, baby. And let's keep working a little bit. And then you know what? Because it's the easiest thing in the world that, okay, we're up by three scores now. Maybe let's slow the pace down because either way, you're dictating that pace. And Correct. as an offensive coordinator, as a defensive coordinator, anything in between, you want to control the 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 
pace of a football game all the time, the flow of a football game. It's the very you, word. It's the very yeah. definition of the word offensive, yeah. defensive, right? Yes. You're setting the, the pace. pace. And yeah. right now, Notre Dame is allowing defenses to dictate to them yep. much yep. more so. And when you do the constant rotating from series to, from, from play to play, excuse me, by nature, the rule is you have to wait till the defense gets its 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 personnel matchup. Now, you come out first series and you go with a personnel group and all of a sudden they don't know how to respond personnel-wise. So here's a perfect yeah. example. Was it second play? So second play of the game, they lined up in – was the second play of the game, I believe. Notre Dame lined up in – no, third play of the game. Notre Dame came out in 14 personnel. 14 personnel and you know what they did they went empty right and threw the ball and completed the ball to mitchell evans that would have been a perfect time to line the heck up and go you you know what i mean and and then see what they can do and and get them on their heels but next they rotate again next play throw the ball down the field gets picked off and you're just like you just never take advantage of those things. Like we were watching the game and, and another example against Louisville and, you know, they come out and early in a drive, he hits Chris Tyree on a quick post route for like 13 yards. And then all of a sudden the entire offensive skill set runs off the field. A new offensive skill set comes back and Louisville's got time to adjust. Yep. And it's like, the, guys, you're sacrifice, making this Sacrifice the script for momentum at times. Right. How but I if you're going to do it. your script, yeah, do it to where you're you're able to maybe mix it up. Hey, this is what we've been doing. Let's this week. Yeah. Let's come out and in thirteen personnel series one and 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 just go at them or or eleven personnel in series one and go at them and throw some different looks. Twenty one personnel and let's show them the four different looks that we want to use. But let's do it out of this personnel group and see how they're going to respond. And 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 so again, it, it I understand why they're doing it, but they've taken it way too far. Where it's every play not every third or fourth play. Like, cause to your point, Ryan, like, Hey, here's, what we're going to do. We're going to go 11 personnel and we're going to run these plays. We throw an incomplete pass. They stop us on whatever. We'll then maybe rotate in to something that we like more. Right. right? That isn't working anymore. Let's fix it. Right. I mean, that's, that's basic. Yeah. Correct. Correct. And, And there's just, but that's the whole point. There's just, there's just no rhyme or reason to what they're doing offensively and so we're going to talk about other things that have to happen but that's the biggest thing Ryan because offense you you did a great job of explaining what defense is offense is about finding it's about finding you've got it's so much about rhythm and it's so much about like you said the best offenses dictate to the defense how this game is going to be played yep from a tempo standpoint from a are you going to have to defend this much of the field or this much of the field or this much of the field, right? Like I'm going to determine how much of the field you defend by what I do. Yep. And, and, and Notre Dame's offense is not that kind of dictative offense. And this is why I go back to, this has a lot to do with coach Freeman. And and again, let me be clear. I'm, I'm still very high on coach Freeman in a lot of ways, right? But you have to, you have to be able to point this out. If you're going to be objective and honest, you have to point out guys, the same stuff that we're complaining about now, with Jared Parker, you guys can see all you want. Oh, he sucks. He's a bum. He's whatever. Okay, but here's what I know. All these things are exactly what we complained about last year with last year's offense when it started getting into funks. It was there's no rhythm. There's no pace. There's no rhyme or reason to what they're doing. They're just calling plays. Yeah. yeah. Right? And and eventually you have to understand is like, is this what the head coach wants so his offense can 
complement the defense and keep them on the sideline so they can make all their crazy adjustments to all the different things that they do. I understand all that, but right now you need your defense to complement your offense right now. And I understand when you're playing USC this weekend that there's times that you've got to be a little bit more methodical. Okay, cool. But on those series, the same principle applies. We're going to come out in 12 personnel. Ryan, I can right now off the top of my head give you nine different looks I can give you in one series with 12 personnel with the talent that Notre Dame has a tight end. Yeah. Right. I mean, you, I can, and it's going to be something that's going to keep you on your heels. Like I, I just mentioned one motions and shifts. The next play I come out and empty, I line up in a bunch set and then boom it right before the snap. And then boom, you guys are adjusting. You guys are getting your coverage checks. We're snapping the ball, right? Where like Notre Dame will do their boom and then they'll just kind of wait and then get the call in. And it's like, no, 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 you have a call. You do that shift and then you go, you catch them, right? Mm-hmm. You do that shift. Then you motion across and you do, I mean, it's, it's doing it with intentionality. And mm-hmm. so even on this particular series, we're going to do things where we need to go slower. Okay, on the series, we're going to go slower. That's a 12-13 personnel series, and we're going to do a lot of movement. We're going to line up in a trips bunch here, and then we're, you know, with the whack backside um, X, and then we're going to shift that whole group across, show you overload, and then run a buck sweep to that side. Okay, then I'm going to come back to that two plays later. If you if you aggressively attack that, I'm going to go right back to that play two, three plays later. I'm going to show that look. I'm going to motion across. I'm going to have a I'm going to have a a, a buck sweep show action this way. And I'm going to come back across with something different. You know what I mean? Whether it be a reverse to Chris Tyree or or what Notre Dame did to USC in 2018 with Chip Long. And this is one of the things I liked about Chip is sometimes it was like, dude, this is what they're doing. We don't have to get super creative. So one of the, we talked about some of the stuff Chip Long did to USC. He would always use USC's aggressiveness against him. And Mike Dembrock did that in 2015 with Kevin Stefferson, if you remember. One of the things that sparked Notre Dame early was a reverse to Kevin Stefferson for like, for like 15, 20 yards. You know, in 2018 or 2017, we talked about the, um, uh, some of the different things Notre Dame did in that game to really get off to a good start. Uh, some of the throwback stuff, some of the down-the-field stuff. And then you look at 20. Uh, 2017 is when they did the thing with Stefferson. Excuse me, I said 2015. It was 2017 with uh, uh, with um, uh, the big thing they did in 2015 was the the motion across running a post route on, on play one to, to get that touchdown. But they did some things in that game as well. 17 is when they did the reverse to to Kevin Stefferson. 2018 USC is every time Notre Dame ran buck sweep, Brian, they would crash their inside backers hard to 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 fit that, and they would bring that safety right down to fit backside. So what Notre Dame did was, is they lined up, they had Dexter Williams to the side of the buck sweep. The guards took off and immediately linebackers flew and they just ran a sweep backside. And it was, it was Cole Komet against the safety. And that was it. If Cole Komet blocks a safety, it's a touchdown. Well, guess what? Cole Komet blocked the safety and Dexter Williams ran for a touchdown, right? Like it's not super creative. It's like, guys, it's just, this is what they're doing. And so we're going to make you do something that's going to screw with you. And that's the moment when Notre Dame really started to take control of that game. Because yep. USC, what had worked for USC so far to build a 10-0 lead was done because your yep. aggressiveness is not going to hurt you. But it's like it, it's it's there's nothing like that from Notre Dame right now. They're, they're, where, hey, this is who we are. This is what we want to do. We want to use multiple tight ends. Cool. I get that. But then stop shifting every other play and do more within that 12 personnel within a series, to where, especially if you can catch them in the wrong personnel group in a series. They can't switch for that. I mean – there's just so many different things that you can do to create more pace, to create more rhythm, and to build confidence. And as you said, I think the players would have a lot more fun with it. And and um, 
now it's like, okay, if you're going to go 12 personnel and your 12 personnel group is Tobias and someone else and your 11 personnel group is Tyree, Great House, and Rico, whatever, I don't care. But now you have a little bit more within each package that you can throw at people as opposed yep. to you're going to do 12 personnel this play and then substitute out and do a completely different 12 personnel the next play or go to 11 or whatever case. And it's just there's no way to build momentum. When a receiver group spends more time during a series running on and off the field than they do running routes, that that's a problem. That's going to kill their momentum. And those are all things that they can do. And those are all coaching things. The next yep. two things to me are going to be more player-related things. The next few things are going to be more player-related things. But this is the one thing from a coaching standpoint that they can do and they must do. This isn't about personal preference anymore, Ryan. This is about what yep. you're doing isn't working. And, and you yep. can't be like – what was the biggest complaint out of our game? Well, I just got to coach a little bit better and play a little harder. That's not the answer, guys. Playing a little harder, just executing is part of it, but the execution problems are coming from a lack of confidence, a lack of pace, lack of tempo. Were there execution problems on Saturday? Yeah, there were. Sure, There definitely sure. were. But if you still would have won that game by executing a couple of those plays, all you did was mask the problems that were still there because yeah. your players are better than their players. That's all it would have shown. That's it. It didn't actually fix the problem. Yeah. And and that's this. Sometimes losing can be a great thing for you because now you have no excuse to keep doing what you're doing. Right. And it's like the Duke game kind of masked it a little bit. Sure. And they just kind of came out and kind of regurgitated the same philosophy against Louisville and it bit them in the butt. Well, can't do that again. Got to do yeah. something different. We're going to find out if they're willing to do it. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode of the Irish Breakdown podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you're laying in bed at night with your mind racing a thousand miles per hour and you just can't sleep? Like when you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. When you get there, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Irish. Well, speaking of getting momentum back, Brian, no matter what Notre Dame's pace or tempo that they play with offensively, we know that this is always going to be a team that's going to be built off the offensive line and how the offensive line plays up front. And over the last two games, because they had a very nice outing against Ohio State, but against Duke and against Louisville, they did not play up to standard, right? We can talk about who played better than the other person, but as a unit yeah. collectively, they did not play well the last two games. They did not play up to their, their to their ability level over the last two is how yeah. I kind of, what kind of phrase it. 
So breaking down the all 22 the last couple games, Ryan, the last couple days, a couple guys I actually thought played a little better than I thought watching them live. Here's one guy that I was critical of of in the game Saturday, and I had somebody reach out to me and say, hey, you know, I I think he played better than you think he did. And I said, well, you know, I'll I'll watch the film, and if it tells me a different story, then then it tells me a different story. But especially in the first second half, the offensive line just as a whole was just they had problems. Especially in the first – I thought Zeke Carell was really good in the first half. He had two bad blocks. And I'm going to get to why that matters here in a second. In the first half and in, in the third, he had a, two bad blocks, got driven back a couple times. I thought Rocco Spindler was a little better than I thought he was. I thought uh, Billy Shrouth, after that first pass where he got driven back, was a lot better. He had, to me, the most punishing block of the game. Do you remember that was the second quarter? He takes a defensive tackle off and literally not – he literally slams him on the ground. I was like, dang. Yeah. Like, that was when yeah. he was a right guard. Yeah. Um, and, and just interior was back. Pat Hugan did not play very well. In, in my opinion, uh, Andrew Gustafic was okay at center, but he clearly looked like a little uncomfortable there at times. The problem was the tackles in this particular game were bad. Uh, this yeah. was without Joe, Joe, Ru- I will say Joe Alt now has played two substandard games in a row, but here's the point to your point, Ryan. I can point out, well, yeah, that guy played better than I thought he did that guy, but as a unit, they played bad. Yeah. Because on not, this not play, Zeke may block great and Rocco may block great, but the tackles didn't make plays. The next play, the tackles make a p- blocks, and this is the play where Zeke gets beat up the middle or yep. or Coogan gets beat. You know, and, and it's just like some of the things we've been talking about, like all oh, year, what's what's been my biggest complaint with Pat Coogan? It's my big he gets that really wide base. You remember the play where Joe Alt got pancaked? You know what happened? Yeah. Pat Coogan got yeah. a really wide base and Joe Alt tripped over him. He he tripped, I know. Right. I remember saying that in the game. I, I remember saying that in the chat. Someone was like, oh, Joel got his lunch money taken. I'm like, I'm th- pretty sure he now, tripped over someone's foot. He like, was yeah. losing that rep, right? Sure. He got beat off the ball. But Pat Coogan gets that really wide base, and Joe Walt falls on him. It's like yeah. that That epitomized the offensive line production. So, yes, right. a couple players did play better. than. And I, look, I've always said it. That's what the upon further review is for. And that's why I'm bringing it up yeah. today, because I didn't get a chance to say what I felt, as I did think a couple guys played better. The problem was, is even though this guy played better, that guy played better, to your original comment, Ryan, the unit didn't play well. Yep. And and that's second game in a row. And, yep. uh, you know, whatever the reason why they did what they did with the rotation, don't care. It just, it, it's, you need to make sure you're communicating better, your team, that they know the plan throughout the week, which they didn't. Whatever the case may be, the problem is, is the offensive line has been even more inconsistent than it was last year. The whole yep. point was, look, Harry Heastan got you back on track from what happened under Jeff Quinn. 2020 on line, terrible. Harry Heastan got you back on track, left you a pretty talented group. Yeah, you had some new starters and all that, but your job was to get them going. They've been inconsistent all year, Ryan, all year. They were good against Navy, not yep. very good against Tennessee State. Up and down against NC State, but made the big blocks when they needed to. And, and then pretty good against Central Michigan. And then pretty good against Ohio State. And then really awful against Duke. This game actually wasn't as bad as the Duke game, in my opinion. But it was more discombobulated. Like, the Duke game, they got their butts kicked. The yeah. Louisville game wasn't as much, after watching the it wasn't as much about Louisville kicking their butts as it was every play there was at least two guys that screwed up, it seemed. Like, three guys that do a great job and then two guys. And it was different two guys every time. It's it's more about missed assignments and, yes. and incorrect uh, aiming points this past right. week, while the week before was more about 
Dwayne Carter beat you up. <laughs> like Jamie you Hunter lost Franklin reps. You around, yeah, right. exactly. RJ Oban yeah. kicked your behind. Exactly right. Yes. And yeah. that's that's the frustrating thing is like you know, this is you got two juniors at tackle, you've got a you know, two juniors at guard, you've got a fifth year senior at center. And yeah, you understood some of this early in the year, but game six and seven, the offensive line should not be this inconsistent. And yep. if no, if they don't play better this weekend, because here's the deal. We're all going to talk about how bad USC's defense is when we get into it, and it is. But there's one redeeming quality about USC's football team on defense. One. This will probably be the second most talented defensive line they've played so far. Just physical talent. Would you agree with that, Ryan? Maybe yep. they don't have the veteran net nature and some of the grown man strength of a Dwayne Carter and a Jamie on Franklin. But as far as just yeah. talent. God-given, yeah. Uh, yeah. This is the second best defensive line that they'll play so far this year. I haven't yeah. watched enough of Clemson's D line to know how Clemson stacks up against them, Ryan. You'd probably know. I don't think, based on what I know of those guys from last year, I don't think I, I don't. I don't. Better, I, I don't think Clemson's. I don't think Clemson's edges are nearly as talented yeah. as what USC has right yeah. now. To, yeah, said, I don't think so. I'll, I'll I'll go with you on that because I haven't yeah. paid close enough attention to Clemson's defensive line this year. Yeah, and and as much as I like Rook and Tyler Davis and all that, like they're not. Dexter Lawrence and and huh. Christian, Christian Wilkins, Wilkins and some of the guys yeah. they've had in the past, or even last year, Brian Bercy. So this is probably going to be the second best defensive line you're going to play all year. Yes, the rest of the unit sucks, but as we have found out with Notre Dame, if you beat them in the trenches, it doesn't matter what skill advantages you may lack on the perimeter or disadvantage you have on the perimeter. Yeah. If you get after the quarterback, they will struggle, and this Notre Dame team will struggle score because this team has not shown that they can win uh, if they can't run the football. And that's what good offenses do. Sometimes that other team is just going to be better than you are, and you've got to be able to figure out ways to get the job done. And this offense has not been able to do that. So uh, that's the big matchup concern. And I'll talk more about this tomorrow, Ryan. But that's the big matchup concern having this game is, yes, their defense is bad, but they they could potentially have the one great equalizer of this game. On the flip side, Ryan, if you win the battle in the trenches, you will score at will – against this USC defense. So yep. we're not just presenting the, oh my gosh, here's what's got me concerned. It's also, but here's what could also happen. You Because sure. the other thing too is I think there's this notion that if you if you play with urgency, if you play with pace, that you can't go on long drives. Bullcrap. Yeah, you can. Notre Dame is more than capable of taking four or five minutes off the clock while still playing with a little bit of pace if they are able to win at the line of scrimmage. They can. Right. And or at least three, four minutes off the clock, especially I, the I th- new rules that they yeah, have. I, I think people confuse pace with no huddle a little right. bit. And we're not talking about like no huddle, tempo, just tempo, get it like out quick. Fast yeah. tempo. Yeah. This, we're not talking air raid stuff. We're not talking yeah. about that. We're yeah. talking about playing with some 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 rhythm, some tempo, some yeah. pace, mixing up the tempos. And, hey, you go two drives in a row and you're just going up and down the field on them. And then USC's made some adjustments. And you know what you do that third series? You come out 13 personnel, you go in the huddle. Yep. And then you motion and shift your butts off before the snap. You know what I mean? Like there's all those things, right? And that's the thing is like, it's okay to line up enough. It's okay to huddle, but you can't huddle and then line up and just then take your time, let them get their looks, let them get set. And then you do your little zipper motion and you're expecting that's just going to jack USC up or the (laughs) the opponent up, or you do your little half motion or your little, your jet across with your slowest receivers. And then you're expecting that to like be something like, 
hey, guys, you're not really impacting us, right? Like do some legitimate motions and shifts and some different things to try to create mistakes from the other team. Because if you do that against USC, Ryan, you will, you will number one, you'll slow down this defense. You'll get them on their heels, which protects your offensive line, right? So now we're talking about the first two things. And, and, and it will create some big play opportunities because they will make mistakes, yeah. right? They will and make mistakes. Offensive line-wise, you have to figure out what your identity is up front as well. I mean, that was like the weirdest thing with that rotation this past week is like I didn't know what they were trying to accomplish. Like I had no idea what they were trying to do there because it wasn't just like – again, it wasn't just like – Billy Strauss rotating in with one guard and they're, you know, battling it out maybe, or like just seeing different looks. It was like one drive. He's at left guard. One drive is at right guard. Then Andrew Christophics randomly at center one, yes. one drive. And it's just, it doesn't make, it didn't make any sense. Right. So I love, the, I love that you used the word randomly because that's exactly what I was like. Was I did no not have, I did not have Andrew Christophic at center on my bingo card coming into last Saturday. I didn't have that on my bingo card. I mean, I did, I didn't, Brian, I was like, when someone was, when me and me, you and Vince were texting, and someone was like 73s in the game, I was like, okay, Andrew Christophe's a guard. Yep. Okay, cool. And, I like, and then I, I see him at center. Know, I'm like, like, no, what happened, Ryan, is I said, is Billy Shrouth in the game? Yeah. And, and, and Vince was like, no, that's 73. And I was like, well, then they're both in the game because I, I'm telling you guys, I'm looking at 74. I think I see 74. And then I want to, you know, and they're like, holy crap, Chris. And, but I was like, no, it can't be Christophe because I see Rocco Spindler in the game. Right. So there's, I'm like, I thought, I thought Vince was wrong. I thought he was like, no, he's, yeah. he's but then I'm like, oh my gosh, they got him at center or, <laughs> you know, so it, like, I'm cool if they want to rotate guards. Honestly, Pat Coogan has not played well enough to me. And Billy Strauss showed me enough on his good snaps on Saturday that like, that's your most talented guard. Number 74 is showed me on Saturday. He's your most talented guard, but you know what he also is your least experienced guard. Yeah. No experience. Yeah. And yeah. this is why you should have done this. In September, August and September. That's it is what it is. They didn't. But now do it going forward. But have yep. some have some practice it. Make sure everybody understands. Third series, second series, whatever. You know, every yep. other series. Like, look, Harry did that. You know why? And I said this the other day, you know why that worked in 2017? Number one, you had two talented players and Kramer sure. and, and Haney. But they knew. They and knew it was gonna be every other series. Yeah. And yeah. then they also knew if we go two minute, Haney's in the game. If we go four minute, and that's the slowdown offense, you know, because you're trying to run the clock out. Kramer's in the game. They knew, yeah. like they didn't have to be told. They just knew. And, and I like Hainsey and Kramer, like you know, hey, this is you. And then they go, coach, it's me, right? And he's like, yes, you're in. Like they both knew because they were told. It was clear. They practiced it, and there were no questions. And and so I'm fine if they want to do that. But they're, but like, what's going to bother me is if they don't do that this week. Like, then what was the right. point? Yeah. What was the point of doing it last week? There has to be some type of rotation this week, to your point. Otherwise, it's just like, why was that just randomly there for and not one at game? center? Yeah. And not at center. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it, uh, what you, like, are you trying to light a fire under your fifth year senior's butt because he played bad against Duke? Hey, do we not remember he played like the best game of the season the week before against Ohio State? He had a, he made two boneheaded mistakes. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you, you you deal with it. There needs to be some accountability, but just randomly putting Andrew Kristoffik in the game. Like, if you wanted to really punish Zeke for the false starts, that's fine. Don't start him. Have Kristoffik have that series at the beginning, and then you say, okay, now we're going to get going. Right. But it just it just it made no sense. Uh, so the offensive line's got to get back on track. Jo- Joe Rudolph has as much of a role in turning this thing around as Jared Parker and Dylan McCullough. I mean, anybody. Like he is he is like one A one B to me. It's Jared Parker. 
and it's Joe Rudolph right now. Top, and then one C is Chancey Stuckey, which kind of takes us into the next, uh, the next. Yeah. One, right? Well, I mean, because the next two honestly are, are very much interrelated because it's obviously the passing game that we're talking about, right? I mean, but we really want to highlight. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. Oh no, I was just going to say. I mean, so we wanted to talk about the playmakers, and then we want to talk about the trigger man. Right. right. We want to talk about Sam Hartman that's going to deliver him the football. But yeah. Brian, I will be honest about this, as I always am. The wide receivers on this past Saturday, it's just not good enough, man. Like it's just not good enough in any capacity. I came into the season excited about this wide receiver group because I'm like, you have Tobias and Dion and Chris Tyree and Jane Greathouse and Rico Flores and Jaden Thomas and all these great wide receivers. And for whatever reason, the last couple weeks, they have been a a below average, a well below average group that has not made enough plays. They aren't. Yeah. There are plays to be made there. And it hasn't been perfect because we'll talk about Sam Hartman in a minute as far as him not playing a good game this past Saturday. He was not good at all. But there are still plays on the table that have not been made from the wide receivers. Right. Consistent re- releases and playing the ball in the air and coming back to the football. And there's just things that are just not there right now with this wide receiver group, with these playmakers. Who are the playmakers on this team right now? When you need a big play, who can you depend on? The right. only answer for me right now is Mitchell Evans and Audrey Estime. The only um, two players that you can depend on. Jeremiah Love, but you just Jeremiah don't give him the ball. In his capacity. And I would say yes, right now, yes. Jeremiah Love's been more dependable the last two games than Audrey Estime has. He has. You know, I would say I would say I would say Jeremiah Love is he more of a Aldrich Estime is much more like within a scheme creating right. plays, right? If the offense line's not playing well, he's limited. Jeremiah right. Love can make a play out of nothing at times because right. he's just that type of athlete. But yeah. there's like some people that have this like weird anti-Chris Tyree thing going on, and and they'll just ignore he's actually played well this year when he gets the ball. But then, but then Against Louisville, you needed him to make a better play on the ball. Sam Hartman did not make a good throw on that. That was he. Sam yeah. Hartman threw that ball in the worst possible place, other than way, way short in the defender, just kind of yeah. dropping it like on his head. But you know what? In that moment, I don't yeah, care where the ball play. was. You've got yeah. to make that play. Got to right, yep. like the the throw, the interception. It was a terrible ball that Rico Flores had no chance to catch that football. But you've got to become the defender there. You've got to yep. make that play. You know, like, look, hey, Tobias, I know you're not happy about getting the ball, but you get a crossing route against Duke and a chance where your offense is trying to get rolling. You've got to catch that ball, man, right? So we're going to have plenty to say about the quarterback, but but you've got to make start making those plays. And like you said, in the pass game especially, because the whole point here is playmakers got to step up and be playmakers, right? And I don't care what you've done up to this point in time, uh, good or bad, it's, okay, step up time. you got to do it now. And and because if you're going to win this game, you're not going to win this game grinding the clock out against USC. Because I'll say it for a millionth time, playing keep away, all that it does is ensure that you're going to lose by a lower score than you would if you didn't. And Ohio State game was a perfect example, Ryan. The last two years you've played keep away from Ohio State. And guess what? You did a great job keeping their points down in both games. You've held Ohio State last two years to what? 19 points in a, per game? Do you know what your record is against Ohio State? Oh, and two, right? Because it doesn't, all it does is instead of losing 41 to 38, it means you're going to lose 24 to 21 or 17 to 14. That's all playing keep away does. You're not going to win those games, right? You're still going to lose if they're the better team and they execute when the game is on the line. Ohio State's players said, we want to win this game. We're going to make the plays. Notre Dame's guys didn't on both sides of the ball. 
Louisville's guys said, hey, 7-7 game, 10-10 game, close ball game throughout. The final score was much more convincing than the way the game played out for the first two and a half quarters. But in the third quarter, their guys stepped up and made plays and yours didn't because your defense gave you a chance to get going in the third quarter. As bad as he was, it was 7-7 at halftime. I wasn't sure if it was 10-10 or 7-7, but it was 7-7 at halftime. And your defense first play the second half, they get you the ball. Yes, they did. And you did nothing with it because nobody – now, it's bad play calls, but then again, nobody stepped up. Block a guy, right? Because sometimes playmakers are your offensive linemen, right? I mean, yeah, Josh Adams runs for an 80-yard touchdown against USC in 2017, but you know who made that play? All Josh Adams had to do was run in a straight line really fast. (laughs) You know who made that play? Alex Bars takes the guard, just throws him into the – like, literally, do you remember that play I'm talking about? They ran inside zone, and Alex Bars takes the guard because he was trying to get him into the A-gap. He takes the guard, and it was almost like a a boxing, like a a Rocky four. You know, Rocky tried to get out of the ropes, and then a a Drago would just throw him back into the ropes. That's what Alex Bars did. He kind of took him with his inside arm, and he throws him into the A-gap, and Josh Adams cuts right behind him for an 80-yard run. All Josh Adams had to do was run real fast for 80 yards. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. Brandon Wimbush helped on that play too, but you know, getting outside and drawing the defense with him. But like that play was made because Alex Barr said, I'm going to dominate this guy in front of me. And yeah. boom, there you go. It wasn't Quentin Nelson. It wasn't Mike McGlinchey. It was Alex Bars, right? Because he stepped up and made plays. And then of course Q had his place. But the point is, is that line stepped up in that USC game in 2017 against the USC team that reminds me a lot of this team. Right, not as dynamic offensively, little better defensively, but just a team that was like they're talented, but they're not necessarily really good. And you got to take your soul from them. And what Notre Dame did in that game, offensively and defensively, is they were super aggressive. Right, you're talking about Chip Long's coming out running reverses, throwing bombs. I mean, just early in the game, just going at USC. But it was guys stepped up and made plays. Kevin Stefferson stepped up and make play, made plays that game. Had the reverse, had the great back shoulder touchdown pass reception in that game, converted a third and 10. Brandon Wimbush stepped up and converted a third and like what was it, like a second and 20 and a third and 10 with his legs in that game. You know, went nine of 19, but he made three huge plays that helped break that game open. Your line guy stepped up and said, We're, we're going to make plays. And 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 we want this game, and they stepped up and they made plays. That that needs to happen with this group, and it's got to be receivers, it's got to be running backs, it's got to be offensive linemen, and 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 also Ryan, as we'll get to in a second, it's got to be the quarterback too. But you know, for all the issues that Sam Hartman had on Saturday, there were balls that you, he gave you a chance to go make plays, and a couple times guys didn't make some plays, and and um, you can't point the finger at the quarterback for not putting the ball where it needs to be when it hits you in the hands. I don't care how. I don't care how bad of a throw it was. If it hits you in the hands, you, you got to figure out a way to make that play. And they weren't able to do it. So they're going to need their playmakers to emerge because because that's yeah. how you answer. That's how you answer USC. A USC goes down to scores first drive of the game. Okay, who's going to step up and answer? 2015, you know who stepped up and answered? Will Fuller, Deshaun Kaiser, first play. Okay, we got this. USC, this ain't, guys, this ain't 2014 anymore. Because think about that game. You're coming, you're playing this USC team. And the year before, they had absolutely just annihilated you. I mean, just absolutely annihilated you at the end of the year. 49 to 14, and it, it was not that close. They could have scored 70 if they wanted to in that game. And you come into that game, and Notre Dame's a good football team. They're, they're finally getting some some role. But, you know, they're, they're still reeling a little bit from that Clemson loss. If you remember, they didn't play great against Navy the next week. 
they were still reeling a little bit from that Clemson loss, but they came out. USC goes right down the field, and I swear to you, Ryan, I had this here we go again mentality because it was just like Cody Kessler just picking you apart. Boom, 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 boom. Touchdown. You're like, oh, crap, here we go. And and then first play, motion across, post route, Will Fuller smokes Adoree Jackson. Deshaun Kaiser throws the throws a perfect bomb. <clears throat> Place goes nuts, and Notre Dame answered. And when Notre yeah. Dame answered, USC knew – it's no over. matter what you <laughs> thought was going to happen in this game, it's not. Yeah. And yeah. and they overwhelmed them. It was a 10-point game, but it was like – it was a game that Notre Dame was the better team. USC came back and tied it late, but it was just like – because that was more some Notre Dame was – but just – but then Corey Robinson steps up and makes a play. Right? Yep. Tavon Coney steps up and makes some plays. Right? That was – a no, no, it wasn't it wasn't Tavon. It was Jalen Smith. Sheldon Day steps up and makes some plays. Kavari Russell makes a huge pass breakup late in the game. Like, so you pick it off? But you remember, it's like up the seam. He makes it. I think he picked it off. He jumps in front of a seam route, picks it off against Cody Kessler. You know, so so guys got to step up and make plays, Ryan. And I, the problem is right now, like in 2015, you're like, okay, I think Will Fuller can do that. I, yeah. I, I think CJ can do that. They got some guys who can do that. Deshaun can do that with his legs. 2017, you're like, okay, you know, Brandon can step up and make plays. You got a great O line, Josh Adams. You know, Stefferson's finally back in it, back in the rhythm. That was kind of his breakout game, getting back into back into a good place. You felt like, yeah, I know who the, the guys that may step up might be. 2019, you know, it's a little bit different. Like, okay, who's going to step up? Well, you know who stepped up that game? Braden Lindsey. Hadn't yeah. done a whole lot that year. Braden Lindsey steps up and makes a couple big plays. Because it wasn't – he had he caught a really nice uh, third down catch in that game as well, I believe, and on a shorter play. But you, you, you just always need that guy to step up. And yeah. the difference is, is you kind of had an idea most years who that was going to be. This year, I have no idea. Because you know what USC is going to say. It ain't going to be 88. And, 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 and as, as awesome as it's been to see Mitchell Evans become that guy for Notre Dame, I, I maintain this, and I said this on the on the postgame show, Mitchell Evans is a really good secondary option to have in a passing game in primary at times, but he should be – he's not – and again, all due respect because he has been one of the better tight ends in college football this year up to, up to now, but he is not Michael Mayer. He is not Brock Bowers. He is not Kyle Pitts. He should not be the number one option in the passing game every single week. Right. He should be complimentary off of this wide receiver's playing well. There's Mitchell Evans in one-on-one coverage over the middle of the field, and he can make a big play. You need more guys to step up because you are also wasting the fact of like, dang, man, Mitchell Evans came to play this year, right? Like right. he is stepping up to the plate, but he's going to start to be limited, I think, in a little bit of a capacity because all the eyes – are going to go to 88. It's like, yep. if, if I'm them, I'm like, dude, uh, safety and a linebacker have eyes on 88 all the time. Force five to beat us, four to beat us, 19 to beat us, 17 to beat us. All those guys, force them to beat us. 88 is not going to be that guy. Right. And you have to step up to the plate and make those plays. And then ultimately, if you're able to get into position where you can make those plays, Sam Hartman has to deliver. Sam Hartman was very good to start this year. I think the first few games he was in that system was just was 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 moving at a just a a very efficient rate throughout the most part. The last three weeks, though, there's been a lot of up and ups and downs, and a lot more downs over the last two, especially yeah. and especially against Louisville. He has to be the best version of himself. And again, I understand that there's some limitations to him right now in the sense of. I don't know if I fully trust the wide receivers I'm throwing to. Right. Or but this is why right. right. And and in the succession of topics, this is why this is last after playmakers must step up because assuming the playmakers do step up, 
Sam Hartman has to be the best right. version of himself in that way that you can capitalize on all the opportunities you have in front of you. Right. Cause again, this is a talented team, man. You just need to start playing right. at a higher level and a more efficient level. You're just not right now. Example of what we're talking about, Ryan, we challenged Tobias Merriweather step up last week, right? He needed to play better. He had not played well. He had not played with urgency. He comes out, and I can't remember if it was Ryan. Correct me if if you remember which one. It was first or second series. Mm-hmm. Might have been his second series. His second series. They ran a flood concept basically, and yeah. and the safety is kind of slow pedaling, and Tobias comes screaming off the line like I've been begging him to do all year, and eats up the safety cushion like that. If yep. Sam Hartman reads that play and reads the leverage of the safety and the way he's playing, he launches that ball down the field and gives Tobias a chance. Now, do we know that Tobias would have caught it? I don't know. But he right. was doing what I asked him to do. And instead, he throws the outcut because he was staring it down. He stared down the outcut. And it's like, you're a six-year senior. You can't do that. You've got to throw now. that ball down. And if Tobias drops it, then now we know you got to get him out. He can't catch the football. You got to get him out. But your receiver did what he needed to do. He took the top off the defense. He was open. you got to make that throw. You've got the ball to – yes, Chris Tyree needs to catch it. But two things can be true at once. You can say the receiver's got to catch that ball and also say, dude, you've got to give him a better ball. He's wide open. There was another play uh, in the game, Ryan, and, and he threw a go route to Jaden Thomas in the second quarter. And Jaden Thomas just got eight up off the line. And you could just tell, it was like, that's not the look. They had a safety one-on-one with Chris Tyree, and he just flew by him on a seam route. That's the matchup that you need to go to. And it came open later, but he's got to throw that seam route to Chris Tyree because, I mean, he he did what we asked him to do, come screaming off the line, show some urgency. And the times that the receivers did that, the ball never came to him. And then the time that it did to Tyree, he dropped it. Right, So it was a two-way street on Saturday. And so to me, that's where I'm hoping that what happened late in the game maybe gets both sides in a little bit more, okay, I got you, you got me. You know, Tobias went out and made some plays. Jaden Thomas made a play. Hopefully that'll be the thing. That, and look, if you're going to give up on Chris Tyree, that's the first time he's dropped the ball all year, dude. He's made some other catches for you. He's done what he needed to do. Made a tough catch on an in, a post route earlier in the game. What wasn't he at one point this year like nine for nine on targets or something well, like he's that? He's only like had nine? one. He's only had yeah, like yeah, because like nine for nine on targets, like even the, yeah. not even an incompletion on the ball they didn't throw to him. Right? Exactly, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he's got a couple targets now where the ball didn't the, the ball was incomplete. But yes, you're correct, Ryan. He was like nine for nine at one point in time. You throw him the ball, it's going to get caught. Yeah. Now again, but that was a big moment, and he didn't make the play. So we can criticize yep. Hartman all we want, but Chris Tyree's got to make that play. We can criticize Chris Tyree all we want, but Sam Hartman's got to give him a better ball. So it's a, it's a, you need to be able to do both. And and sometimes as fans, we get into this, well, him in the hands, it shouldn't matter. Well, yeah, as the receiver's coach, I'm all over Chris Tyree. But if I'm the quarterback's yeah. coach, I'm all over Sam Hartman. You got to throw a better ball. Yeah. You know, and and so those are the different things that you look at. It's just, you're just constantly missing those opportunities. And so for Sam, He's got if he's not playing with confidence, the the yeah. offense can't be with look, I don't care what's going on. If the quarterback's not playing with confidence, your offense can't be can't be play with confidence. It's as simple as that. So Sam's got to kind of let it all hang out. All the pressure of a national championship is gone. Now it's just about go out there, have some fun, and play the best you can. He's got to step yeah. up because 
in this game, Ryan, you know this. There are go- you. I think was it you said it yesterday, or was it uh, Sean said it yesterday, or you said it in the post game show? I can't remember, but somebody said in it, there are going to be guys coming wide open against USC. Mm-hmm. There will. I think you said it in the post game show, didn't you? I believe so. You? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and and uh, you got to make those plays, right? Means that means make the catches. It means yep. the quarterback's got to get the ball there. That's why we did quarterback last because it's kind of like the other group's got to do their jobs, and if they do their job. Now it's up to Sam to settle down, go through the progressions, get back to being that gunslinger you are, and and play ball. Now that's also partly on Notre Dame. I believe they've put him into too much structure. It's like, why did you recruit him to come here? Like, why did you go out and get a sixth-year senior who you know what he is and try to turn him into something that that like you're trying to make him play a game that goes against why you even wanted him in the first place. And to me, they're going to have to figure out a way to fix that. Cause guys, you've got nothing to lose right now. Yeah. Like, you, this USC game to me is it's, it's, it's your super bowl now, because if you don't win this one, nothing else really matters about this season no, because no one's going to care that you beat USC or Clemson to, to your point earlier, Ryan, because right now Clemson's what four and two. They're coming off of a really ugly win over Wake Forest. They beat Wake Forest 17 to 12, right? I mean, they they beat Wake Forest far less convincingly than Georgia Tech beat Wake Forest at Wake the week before. It's not a very good football team, right? It's just not a very good football team. And you beat them 17 to 12. Clemson beat them 17 to 12. And if you're Sam Hartman, you're thinking – why couldn't have I played at Wake Forest in a game where they held Clemson to 17 points? You know, but seriously, but, seriously. but here's the deal. And then now they got to play at their they're off this week. Then they got to play at Miami and at NC State before they play Notre Dame. They're four and two right now. There's no guarantee they're going to be six and two when Notre Dame goes to Clemson in, in, in a month. There's no guarantee that that's going to be the case. So again, this is the money game. And this is what you brought. You brought Sam Hartman in to win these type of games. He didn't get it done against Ohio State. He's not the only one. Nobody got it done against Ohio State. This is your chance because if you can finish things off strong, right? Like when people think of Jack Cohn, they think of the Jack Cohn from the second half of the year. They forget the fact that at one point in time in 2021, Jack Cohn got benched, right? I mean, but he finished strong, led him to a bunch of wins down the stretch, including a win over USC, North Carolina. That's what people remember. And so that's what, that's what Sam's got to do. They can't win this game if Sam Hartman doesn't play well, Ryan. They can't. Yep. I mean, he is the indicator, I think, of how good this Notre Dame team could be. I mean, I think you could look at his performance after the game, and especially against Caleb Williams, right, where it's like that kid's going to make plays. Sam Hartman needs to be able to match that that type of big-time play in this football game, there's no doubt. So that's kind of the keys on offense. We're going to move over to defense next. Just hit that like button for us real quick as we kind of move to the next step of this podcast. Make sure, again, mailbag questions, throw them in the chat at any time, and we'll be able to decipher that as we move forward.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.